0: Visit stubforge.com and start making tickets today. Hi, Conning the Con listeners. If you've got a podcast-shaped hole in your life, I've just released all episodes of my latest podcast, Clueless, The Long Con. And you may be wondering, just how did I come across this story? Well, unbelievably, just a month after my sister Emma discovered she was dating a serial con man, my parents-in-law discovered they were involved in one of the largest and longest Ponzi schemes in New Zealand, operated by one of the most patient of financial predators, Barry Clue, hence the name Clueless, spelt K-L-O-O-G-H-L-E-S-S. Now, it tells the story of 12 of the 81 victims, and just a warning, you are going to be wanting to have hydrated well before episode four in particular, I'm told. I'm dropping episode 1 here as a taster, but if you want to binge the series, then do search Clueless, the long con, and hit subscribe now. Don't forget, that's Clueless spelt K-L-O-O-G-H-L-E-S-S. All episodes are available now on whatever platform you're currently listening. So here is episode 1. Something is creeping, don't follow. Let me introduce you to Barry Clue, a registered authorised financial advisor from New Zealand and a very special kind of stain on humanity. That's Clue spelt K-L-O-O-G-H. You might be interested to know it means Freedom Lover. And perhaps the Google gods or whoever comes up with the meaning of names has a bit of a love for irony. Or perhaps like me, they know how the story ends. But this story isn't about the beginning the end. It's about all the pain inflicted on, get this, 81 victims by one man whose greed sees him stealing almost $16 million in a web of deceit that he started spinning over four decades earlier. I'm Sarah Ferris and you're listening to Clueless the long con. Coming up
1: in this series. He was a very knowledgeable young guy. He was a registered financial advisor. Type of guy that was bending over backwards to help you.
0: Now you could be forgiven for thinking that Barry sounds like a great guy. And you'd be right. Well, right up until the point, when you're wrong.
1: That was all fictitious. You stole from my son, who has a disability.
0: Chris never knew. He died believing that we're all taken care of. Barry Clue took our dreams. It's despicable. This
2: place over 15 years or more, it's staggering. He basically rapes people of their money. I've
0: never hated anybody in my life, but I hate
2: him.
1: I just feel so sorry for them people. All these people from all walks of life that you started to realise,
0: wow, how did he do this? How indeed. But it isn't just about how. This story is about what Barry Clue was stealing because this isn't a Bernie Madoff Ponzi scheme, you know, where you need $400 million just to get in the game. No, these investors had invested over months, over years, and sometimes over decades, putting away chunks of whatever money they could for their retirement. Giving up in the now to ensure that they would have enough when it came time to retire.
1: I saved 35 years of my working life, 35 years of saving, is gone. It wasn't as if he was promising massively over the odds interest rates. So what was the attraction? I deposited three hundred fifty thousand dollars. The
0: time that Chris died, there was nine hundred thousand dollars. When I did my final calculations,
1: it was nine eighty eight.
2: We had six hundred sixty thousand. Somebody made
1: forty five grand off me. Somebody stole forty five grand. It's like it's insane. Something is creeping in.
0: Don't down. Now, I have a confession to make, and if you stumbled upon this podcast because you've listened to Con in the Con, then you'll understand why I say that 2019, it was a bit like waiting for a bus for ages and then, boom, two come along at once. Up until then, in my 40-odd years, I'd never known anyone who had actually been pulled into, I guess the discombobulating orbit of a serial con man. Then along comes bus number one in March of 2019. And my sister Emma discovers that the man she's been dating for six months is actually a full-blown serial con man. But not to be outdone, up rocks the second bus. And the passengers on this particular con bus are my parents-in-law. And behind the wheel, Barry Clue. So yeah, it's fair to say that I have a personal perspective on why Barry Clue's story needs to be told. But this story is not just your run-of-the-mill financial fraud wrapped up with a bow in a Ponzi scheme. But don't take my word for it. Meet Mike Houlihan, a journalist from the Otago Daily Times who has covered this story from the start.
1: This case should not be just swept under the carpet and turned into tomorrow's fish and chip wrapping. This has affected hundreds of people, and I suspect there are a lot of people who've not come forward because they're ashamed of having been involved. It was a little bit like watching Steve Martin and Diddy Rotten Scoundrels. He was walking around with very little means conning people into believing he was bigger than he was. These are people who invested their life savings, and we have to tell the story again so it doesn't happen again. If you forget history, you're doomed to repeat it.
0: So let me lay the table of what I guess we can now call Barry's hunting ground. Welcome to Dunedin, a gorgeous, if not somewhat freezing cold, city that is nestled in the harbour of the Otago Peninsula of the South Island of New Zealand. It is, in fact, my former hometown. I moved there in the early 90s, just as the Dunedin City Council had wed itself to the slogan, it's all right here. But in a slight marketing faux pas, it could also be pronounced Dunedin, "Mm, it's all right here slightly unfortunate, but possibly still very on brand. Dunedin's unique claims to fame are as varied as the types of pies you'll find in any pie warmer in its many corner dairies. It is something for everyone. For those wanting great calves, it's proudly the home to the world's steepest street. Or if you have a thing for big birds, you can catch an eyeful at the Royal Albatross Colony. Think giant seagulls. But the thing about Dunedin, and probably us Kiwis in general, is we don't take ourselves too seriously. Case in point, when COVID hit and the borders were closed, Dunedin City Council took the opportunity for a little rebranding to attract that landlocked domestic tourist dollar. Those marketing geniuses knocked their heads together and came up with my favourite town slogan yet. Dunedin, a pretty good plan D. Brilliant, right? But what that slogan doesn't encapsulate is that Dunedin is a small town and the amount of people that were affected by Barry Clue's Ponzi scheme fraud within those city limits left locals scratching their heads in shock. Like Trevor Lang, whose company Trevor Lang and Associates mainly specialises in liquidations and receiverships and was approached by investors in the fallout to try and help untangle the fact from the fiction.
1: The whole thing took place in a relatively small town. Dunedin is only about 100,000 population. He operated for such a long time. It was a large amount of money. And he was never really, or didn't appear at that stage, ever on anyone's radar. So it was pretty fascinating.
0: Yeah, fascinating indeed. Now, I've never met Barry Clue, but from all reports, he sounded like he was one of those big fish in a small pond kind of guys. But one person who has met Barry is reporter Hamish McNally. And if you needed further proof of Kiwis not taking themselves too seriously, Hamish reports for a news website that is, I guess, the Kiwi equivalent of the BBC online. Somebody needs a promotion for this one. It's called Stuff.
2: The details of how the offending unfolded took a long time to be revealed. I mean, we didn't even know it was really a Ponzi scheme until I'd written a few stories on the matter. I mean, it been rumored to, but you can't just go out and say that, right? And the last thing you want to do is defame a, a potential fraudster who's possibly got money to burn and then may take you to court. The insurance was, a, it was clearly a gateway to get clients into his financial planning. So many of those early investors are taking out insurance policies. And then he's taken a few Segway paths. Like he, he was going down that American route when they try to sell self-help books. And, and painting himself as a bit of a guru with head offices in America and in Dunedin. In hindsight, you look at it, it just smells really bad. It just doesn't pass the test. Socially, he was into musical theatre. But he screwed a lot of those people. I mean, he would pay extra money for tables. He would host his clients there. So he was much using that as a vehicle as anything else. And I guess the ability to be an actor is what he was doing for the last 15 years, right? He was playing a role. He was playing a role as a financial guru. I think the word narcissist came up in court from a few victims, and I, I, I totally believe that. Concerned about his own appearance, was a bit of a psychopath, and he would say lovely things, smile at them, but in reality, he didn't care, just wanted to catch. You all knew that guy at school that would just be about appearances, he knew he wasn't quite right. <laughs> People learn their life lessons kind of younger than that, like Barry's in his 50s, and they said he could have been doing this for like 15 years. But I wonder about other offending that may have taken place as well. We don't know when he started on this.
0: If you Google Barry Clue and scroll through countless articles that have since been written about him since 2019, when his Dunedin officers were raided by the Serious Fraud Office, otherwise known as the SFO. You'll find that he was charged with 11 counts, which cover a range of offending, including a Ponzi scheme that, according to the charges, imposed a loss on some 81 victims of no less than 15.7 million New Zealand dollars. Now, for context, that's about 8.2 million British pounds or 10.8 million US dollars. Whatever way you slice that, it's a whacking great sum. But what exactly is a Ponzi scheme? Here's Mike Houlihan of the Otago Daily Times to explain. The
1: Ponzi scheme's a little bit like the hamster wheel. Once you start running on it, you have to keep running to keep up, otherwise you fall off. The way a Ponzi scheme works, investor A puts their money in, and Mr Clue, in this case, takes the money out for his own purposes. And when investor B puts their money in, that money will then go to pay out investor A if investor A asks for their money back, and so it goes forward. The people operating the scheme have to keep one step ahead of the people taking the money out.
0: And that's exactly what Barry was doing and had been doing for years, keeping that one step ahead of people wanting to take their fictitious gains out of the Ponzi. But that means getting creative with your marketing, because for every person that wants to take the money out, you needed somebody to put the money in. In fact, Barry even tried to launch a YouTube channel in 2011, but he clearly didn't have that much patience to put in his YouTube career. It was a bit of a flash in the pan. He only uploaded three clips – all of which didn't stray that far from what you would expect for a financial advisor. Now, for copyright reasons, I can't play you a clip. So let me paint the scene for you of one of them titled Five Tips to Organise Your Finances. Firstly, like I said, this video was posted in 2011, but you could be forgiven for thinking it was from the early 90s. And I'm not sure if it's the shaky camera angles, the grainy footage, or maybe maybe it's Barry's creamy beige suit that is sending off those Tony Robertson-esque vibes. Let me put it this way. If I was to ask Barry's victims where they think their money went, I can guarantee that nobody will say to his YouTube production team. As the video starts panning across a dull office wall, it skims across this plexiglass sign revealing the words commitment to. I can think of a few ways that Barry might complete that sentence, but he's gone with commitment to excellence. Hmm. We then see Barry come into shot and, you know, he's got a somewhat forgettable face and I don't say that to be mean. I just can't really think of any more descriptive words than he's got a good set of hair and all his teeth. So the camera then jerks into a sudden zoom on Barry's face and over his shoulder, it appears there are framed certificates, all made to look, you know, very official. But actually, you know, on closer inspection, they could well be participation awards in a Kids Week triathlon, for all we know. There is one award that draws the eye and it's a large blue glass phallic column standing to attention proudly in shot. I imagine that the plaque on it reads, awarded to Barry Clue for his dedication in years, nay, decades of perseverance at ruining hundreds of innocent, hard-working people's lives, presented on behalf of the Bernie Madoff Foundation of ill gotten Gains. We will, of course, have to live our lives never knowing why the tall blue glass phallus was awarded to the suited and booted phallus standing right beside it in the video that day. But distracting as the visual propaganda is, I'm jerked back into the audio when I hear Barry has a free gift on offer. It's access to one of his events, and if you would like to take advantage of it, all you have to do is call Sarah. Side note, not me, just in case you're thinking that's such a unique name. Alternatively, if you don't fancy giving Sarah a call, then go to his website for details. The website that he has named after his book, which is handily on display, just above the Blue Phallus Award over his shoulder. Right in shot. And as I read the title of the book, I am reminded of that saying. There's a clue in the title, pun intended. Head to www.themoneycookbook.com forward slash gift. Nowadays, when you type in moneycookbook.com, it takes me to a Vietnamese gambling website, which, you know, strangely seems fitting and in hindsight possibly provides better returns than Barry Clue ever did. The irony, though, of that book title will not truly come into focus until eight years later, as possibly those very same offices in the YouTube video are raided by the serious fraud office in 2019. And just what was that free gift? Well, in practical terms, it was a seat at a free financial planning session with Barry, perhaps a cheap meal and a house bottle of wine thrown into boot. But in reality, it was the beginning of a sales funnel, not to convert attendees into customers. Barry was using it to convert them into victims. They just didn't know it yet. And if you're thinking, wow, eight years, a long time to collect victims into this web. Well, truth is, Barry was a very, very patient man. We
2: met Barry 10 years ago.
1: It would have been 97 or 98.
2: It would be mid-90s. We
1: knew about him. In the early 90s.
2: We first met Barry in about 1989. I first met Barry Clue in Dunedin in the 1970s.
0: Amongst those victims' voices, that last one is my father-in-law David. Now, he'd known Barry for around four decades. Think about it. That's 40-plus years. It makes you wonder, how long should you wait until you're sure, really sure, that you can trust someone with your money?
2: Phyllis Cottle was a badass woman, and I want to tell you her story. A production of Evergreen Podcasts and signature title of the Killer Podcast Network, you can find Carol Costello Presents Blind Rage wherever you get your podcasts. Discover more great true crime and paranormal programming at KillerPodcast.com. If you're enjoying Clueless the Long Con, then check out other
1: podcasts by Community Podcast Productions, like this one.
2: On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America.
0: Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to Stop the Killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify and all the usual suspects. We are going to be diving into the stories of many of Barry's brave victims over this series. And I don't use that term brave lightly. Here's Emma from Trevor Lang & Associates.
1: There's quite a lot of embarrassment
2: from some people about being conned or losing money to a fraudster. We believe there's probably investors who have never come forward because they're embarrassed to do so.
1: All the people I've met who have been in this position with this guy, they're all down to earth, simple people, just trying to make ends meet and save money for their retirement and their life. They're not out there to make money.
0: That's Adrian. Adrian and his wife, Kim, are typical of the hard-working victims that Barry Clue targeted. I'm a registered nurse by trade. I have been a manager of the emergency department here at Dunedin Hospital. More recently, I work in the patient safety space.
1: Well, I'm a qualified diesel mechanic. I've worked most of my life pretty hard. I probably should have retired when I was 40, the amount of hours I've done, and I've just worked to support the family
0: Adrian and Kim have certainly had more than their fair share of trauma over the years. I have had four children, one of whom died seven months after he was born in 1993. And we have two young adults now with what they call fragile X syndrome. So it's the second most common cause of intellectual disability next to Down syndrome. So Bradley's our youngest child, he's 24 now, and he has Fragile X syndrome and intellectual disability. And so with that go a, a lot of challenges, and he still lives with us at home. And if that isn't enough, imagine then discovering that Barry Clue has stolen approximately $150,000 from them. And you know what's sad, that is just the helicopter sanitised version of the story. Later in the series, you're going to hear from Adrian and Kim and the lengths that Barry Clue was prepared to go to to satiate his own greed. It certainly left me dumbfounded. You might also be thinking $150,000 is a lot of money. And yes, it is. But I think it's important to put that in perspective. Here's Mike Houlihan from the ODT again.
1: People looking at that number might go, you're rich. These people weren't rich. These were people who had worked hard all their lives. The Retirement Commissioner has a calculator on its website where you can work out how much money you need to live on. And even just to still live on a Spartan lifestyle, you're looking at a seven-figure sum if you live from retirement age to 90. So they're people doing exactly what the authorities tell you that, that you ought to do, invest wisely and sensibly for your retirement. With someone who was authorised and has a government backing, that's what these people have done. Yeah, you have to put all this in context before you, you start making judgments about how much money people have had stolen from them.
0: Now, this isn't a history podcast, but you might be interested to know that the Ponzi scheme is actually named after an Italian con artist, Charles Ponzi. He operated in America in the early 1920s. Of course, he probably wasn't the first and most assuredly won't be the last. According to the Serious Fraud Office website, Ponzi schemes are one of the most common types of investment fraud in New Zealand. In fact, on the website, there's a shortish rogues gallery, well, in name at least. Personally, I always think that con artists' faces should be online. I mean, knowing the name of a serial con artist, it's about as useful as a chocolate teapot in my experience. Those names, they come and go. But faces, well, they just get more wrinkly. Now, considering Ponzi schemes are one of the most common kinds of fraud in New Zealand, it does surprise me that there are only three names on that list. One of them that's missing is our most infamous, the David Ross case. His Ponzi scheme collapsed, owing $115 million to investors turned victims. He's our worst, but not our only. Meet Kelvin Wood, for example. Now, he operated a foreign exchange brokerage that degenerated into a Ponzi scheme. That's the key word, degenerated, when his brokerage began to suffer net trading losses. So he devised a scheme to keep his clients in the dark about the true nature of their investments. It turns out that 18 investors couldn't see the Calvin Wood for the trees, and in total, they lost $7 million. Also on the SFO website is Russell Mayer, middle name, Knight. Now, Mr. Mayer was also a foreign exchange broker who forged documents to create the illusion that his once successful business was still thriving. In total, he defrauded his clients of around $1.5 million. Now, of note, there are a couple of points of similarity that we can see in what I now know of the Barry Clue Ponzi scheme. Firstly, the time that is taken to build the confidence of the investors. It's that slowly, slowly catch a monkey, as the saying goes. We also see forgery, an almost keystone element. These cons, they can't keep that hamster wheel turning without some seemingly casual, everyday forgery. And Barry was no exception. But where these two cases of Mare and Wood diverge from Clue is the scale. Barry Clue was able to keep that hamster fed and watered for decades. And I'm left wondering... Just what makes a person become such a harbinger of pain to so many? Something is creeping in, don't follow it down. Coming up on the next episode of Clueless, the long con. It's incredibly, eh? and that's the thing that plays on my mind, that I'd known this guy for 25 years and, you know, some of the things they used to say to us, and it was, I don't know, they're so plausible. But the scary thing is the hindsight, that kind of weighs on your mind a little bit. You know, you had the doubts, but you never acted upon them,
1: and you wish you would have. Little things like crocodile skin shoes, dead giveaway. Fuck, I think about that so much and think, you dickhead, you absolute dickhead. That's, that's not right on any manner."
0: Don't forget to subscribe to Clueless, the long con, so you'll never miss an episode. This is an independently made podcast. You can find out more on Instagram at podcast. That's con with an N. Please support the podcast with a five-star review, a share on social media, or even go old school and tell a mate on a dog walk to have a search for Clueless the Long Con wherever they listen to their podcasts. That's Clueless spelt K-L-O-O-G-H-L-E-S-S. Something is creeping in, don't follow it down Something is creeping in, don't follow it down don't forget, if you want to binge the rest of Clueless, search Clueless the Long Con now and hit the subscribe button or hit the link in the show notes. All episodes are out now, and remember that's Clueless spelled K L O O G H L E S S.
1: If you're enjoying Clueless the Long Con, then check out other podcasts by Community Podcast Productions, like this one. a camp where laughs and scares are constantly competing for first place. We're just a group of friends, trying to bust each other's balls, find the best stories, and expand the circle in the process. 3AM, the comedy horror podcast, not for the faint or fragile of heart. Let's go.
2: Ohio is a land of mystery. From missing shipwrecks and lost treasure beneath her surface... To strange phenomenon slicing through her skies. From myths that have evolved around historic events and people. To the unsolved murders and disappearances that keep her communities wondering what happened. Find Ohio Mysteries on your favorite podcast app. And let's explore the inexplicable. OhioMysteries.com